There has just been so much happening in the world of Manchester United. It's been a heck of a week, I think it's fair to say. Have you been bearing up with the emotion of it all? Well, I, I've had to go on a world tour just to cope with it. That's been how I've done it. I've been in uh, the Middle East. I've experienced football Abu Dhabi style, which was interesting. And uh, I think if they could have football stadiums fully paved in gold, they would. In fact, they probably are. I, I didn't actually go and see any local football since it was about 50 degrees outside and 99% humidity. And then I'm off in the Far East now. So I'm in Seoul in search of Park Ji-sung. haven't found him yet. Well, wherever he may be, I'm sure when you do find him, what you need to do is go to a jazz club because that's that's clearly how you find uh, Manchester United legends when you're travelling the world. I'm not sure we can call Park a legend, can we? I think if you try and call him anything else, we'll be having words. Yeah, well, I haven't I haven't found his favourite what can we say uh, food choice yet, but I have been looking. Oh, it's a little bit of casual racism early in the show there. Maybe not racism, maybe just cultural stereotyping. So, Ed, it's been a heck of a time, hasn't it? I guess we'll go back to... It's appropriate that you're in Korea, although you're in the wrong bit of it, because North Korean levels of propaganda and pomp and circumstance, the cult of the individual... Oh, absolutely brilliant, yeah. It really, it really was, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, very much that. And, I mean, if they'd walked in with you know, 12-foot pictures of Alex Ferguson's face, you'd have expected it. Um, coordinated red flags everywhere. And, yeah, everyone waving in time and the music and the impossible dream, Fergie walking. He looks slightly embarrassed at that. I'm I'm not surprised, to be honest. I have to say, even though it was obviously, like, it really was like the send-off of a massive dictator, I can't think of anything more beautiful and appropriate. It was was the good kind of dictatorial worship, wasn't it, as as somebody said. It's more more Castro than Kim Jong-il beautiful stuff and the send-off he really deserved and he said he was surprised by the reaction Uh, I don't know how you could be but I I guess also hard to expect that level of emotion and outpouring I don't think there was too many there were too many dry eyes in the house at Old Trafford last Sunday well yeah I mean let's not get all Diana-esque over it but you know it's I think it's fair after 26 and a half years in the job but he's loved by a lot of people so it was a nice send-off for him, and, and I, it was interesting. He was manager to the last, wasn't he? His speech after the, the game against Swansea, telling the players that they know how important the shirt is and not to let themselves down for the next manager. First of all, one of the things that angers me most in the whole world, in spite of the fact that it's not that bad, is any public uh, display of emotion being marginalised and the whole kind of like, you know, oh, it's the Dianification of the country. Shut up, not you, but generally that point. It's like, (laughs) you know, no, it's people who have strong feelings about someone expressing those emotions, which is really good because if you don't do that, if you don't express your emotions, it's literally bad for your health. Oh, getting a bit of scouse on us here, Paul. Do you want a minute? In fact, let's hold a minute's silence right now. If you feel something, you are perfect. It is perfectly reasonable to find a way to express that. And football, so wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I'm getting on into Flora. I need to order some flowers to send. We'll put them under Fergie's statue. <laughs> I was actually surprised. Um, I wasn't really expecting to be personally emotionally affected by it, really. But I was. It was definitely. It was definitely noticeable that you know I, I definitely felt something. Um, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. But seeing it all happen, that there's been a few moments that that definitely made me well up over the week. Actually, not Fergie's speech. I've kind of got to everyone pretty much. That for some reason that didn't that didn't do it for me. I think, like you, I was kind of impressed in a way by the the manageriness of it. 
And, you know, he didn't make it... A, he's, he didn't... Apparently, he went there pretty off-the-cuff, and it did look like an off-the-cuff speech. And he barely talked about himself at all. He made it all about other people. He drew the crowd's attention to Paul Scholes, who we'll come on to. We've, we've done a Paul Scholes retirement show, but I don't mind doing another one. And he mentioned Darren Fletcher, which I thought was pretty sweet. And he not just said to the players, but also to the fans, look, remember, I had four years here. Get behind the manager. Our new manager, he said. And, I mean, it, I have to... Confess it completely worked on me. That was the point for me. I was like, all right, that's fine. It's, you know, I, maybe I would have chosen someone else. But if Sir Alex had a very influential say in choosing David Moyes, then that's pretty much good enough for me. Not one to blindly follow orders, but he, he said to get behind our man, new manager. That's what I'm going to do. Right, yeah. Well, he also said get behind the Glazers. No, he didn't. Pretty much. Pretty much <laughs> yeah. did, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we talked an awful lot about Moyes last week, so we don't need to go over it again. Uh, I think he, he suits Ferguson, he suits the Glazers, and he suits everyone at the club for now, and we'll, we'll just see how it goes, won't we? You know, let's, uh, let's hope that Moyes sees out his full six-year contract, because if he does, it means he's been a success. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, not to go back over anything we've said, just that the week in between then and now, I've definitely, I've definitely kind of started to digest the idea and think about some of the positives of it being Moyes and not someone else, you know, so that's, that's been quite nice. Fergie said in his press conference on Friday that Moyes will soon find out how big the club is, the enormity of the club, he said global brand and and all of that and uh, yeah I mean, it's going to be completely different completely different kettle of fish and i guess it's something ferguson kind of grew into really i mean he didn't come to the club with it although it was enormous in terms of its global reach it's a whole different scale of beast these days isn't it and and ferguson was you know both part of creating that and and also managing it and and it's turned into a very different institution as a result Absolutely. And that's the, that's one of the reasons why, you know, people often say, well, Busby went upstairs and that was a disaster because he was always like a shadow looming over the ground. And actually, I, I don't feel that way this time at all. I think it's actually much, much better to have Ferguson in place in the club so long as there's a clear delineation. And, and I can't remember who it was, but I heard somebody talking about it was a player that had played for Everton, I think, Mark. Somebody said Moyes will be used to taking advice from Ferguson anyway. Ferguson, he he would have rung Ferguson up at key moments and taken advice. Obviously, this would be different, but I I think because of because of the scale of the club now, having someone that knows it so intimately involved is is going to be to the club's benefit rather than its detriment. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see if if Ferguson's hanging around the club and he's accessible, and the players start going to him to complain about Moyes' training or whatever. I'm just making that one up, but that's when it will become a problem. But if Ferguson's actually only there part time because he's you know two days a week down the race course and doing charity stuff and and never hanging around Carrington, then we'll be all right. Okay, well, interesting. And I, I kind of feel like the latter is more likely than the former because also I can't. I, I imagine a player goes to Ferguson to complain about Moyes' training methods. You can't imagine he's going to get anything other than very short shrift, can you? Well, yeah, but that's where you get the fragmentation, and that's the problem. So, um, But we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, apparently Moyes favours a boot camp style start to the season, so United's players will be extra fit, so we might get some complaining, but you know, they're all pretty professional because they're, they're, they've been used to working with Ferguson, and Ferguson has nothing other than professionalism. Anyway, look, I feel we're getting off track. One of the key things was to look back on on Ferguson's send-off, and part of that was the, the parade on Monday, which was insane. 
I think. Manchester overrun with reds, uh, climbing up buildings, scaffolding the whole lot. Ferguson referred to them the other day as the scaffolding reds, <laughs> which was very good. And uh, I think it couldn't have been a finer send-off for the, for the club and the team after the season of Ferguson. Oh, Manchester, it's wonderful. It's full of very sturdy scaffold. Oh, Manchester is wonderful. Bit worrying those scenes, but clearly that was some very well put up scaffolding. Apparently, it was taken down the next day, which that must that must be a health and safety thing, surely. It's just coincidence, and they happen to have finished. But um, but the, the, I think if you'd had that many people on the scaffolding the day before, you'd think about taking it down and putting it back up, wouldn't you? Yeah. Also, closing the door after the horse has bolted. <laughs> very much so. Yeah, how many parades were they expecting that week? <laughs> Certainly, wasn't any silverware down at Eastlands. No, there wasn't. Nor a manager. No, and Ferguson managed to outlive another Manchester City manager. It was pretty extraordinary. I would talk about that a little bit maybe before the end of the show. Mancini on his bike, whether that's a good thing for us or not. The parade sort of led, it felt like it led directly out, more or less, like the final whistle blew, Fergie made a speech, everyone just went outside and then the parade, I know there was sort of effectively 24 hours in between the two things, but it all felt like one big Manchester United celebration and and it was absolutely wonderful to see a number of the players, Skulls and Giggs both saying they'd never seen anything like 99 and they never thought they'd live to see anything like 99 but this sort of either topped it or at least equaled it and you know the same kind of scenes of people standing in trees and obviously all that scaffold and incredible response and not at all surprising the combination I think it would have been a pretty great parade anyway just because the trophy was won back off Manchester City it was obviously incredibly important within the city and the fact that it was Ferguson going skulls going last chance to see these people and say thank you and Rio Ferdinand who who brilliantly capped off the celebrations on Sunday by scoring an absolute cracker making it 20 goal scorers from the squad this season I mean talk about narrow narrative it was 20 20 all that malarkey and the fact that you know he was the only player playing that could have added to the number of players that have scored this season I think well you know what I feel about all his arbitrary number nonsense yeah 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 but so, so I think it has no meaning that Rio scored but I, I think the reflection that that we can take out of that is that United were far from a one-man team this season this, despite I mean Van Persie did score a significant percentage of United's goals but that's kind of what you expect of your leading goal scorer and to spread the rest of the load around the team was, was really important that's one of the reasons why United won the title it was a squad game for the team this year and, and that, that ensured that United picked up loads and loads of points against the mediocre opposition to get such a big lead so I mean and and it was a cracking goal from Rio just to come back to the game you know fine volley and he loved it didn't he, he and, and it seems like he might stay for another year which is good as well I, I think that's probably very important actually because a new man coming in he'll want to keep all his experienced players I think yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously the, the fact that it's 20 is completely arbitrary, but the fact that it's 20 is absolutely not arbitrary in terms of, as you say, it just demonstrates that the goals have come from all over the place this season. And you remember, we'll do a proper season review next week, but like every week it seemed like Johnny Evans or Patrice Evra were scoring from a corner at one point in the season. And yeah, for Rio to get into, on the action was beautiful and he certainly carried on his celebrations into the next day. Alan Keegan describing Ashley Young at one point as the main choir master uh, when he was really padding for time on the top of that bus. Not an enviable job. So uh, anyone that didn't see the trophy you know, at the, be- the the parade, at the beginning of the parade, the bus is parked outside Old Trafford and players are 
coming two by two to get on the bus. And Alan Keegan is standing on the bus with a mic, using the words Old Trafford an inordinate number of times, as is his wont. His breakfast ritual in the morning is, Old Trafford! Love, do you want a cup of tea? I'm putting the kettle on, Old Trafford! I think he, he, he just does that wherever he goes. But yeah, he, he, he was kind of calling out the players' names. Few, few, bit of a muted response for Rooney, but it sort of warmed up as the, as the day went on. At one point, he described Ashley Young as the main choir master, which I think should definitely be Ashley Young's nickname from now on. <laughs> the choir master, yeah, more of a choir boy, I think. No, the main, the main choir master, which is, that's not a thing, Alan. It's not like they're all choir masters, but Ashley Young's the main one. Well, they are now, apparently. Interesting response to Rooney, wasn't it? Because was mixed, you'd say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely mixed. Uh, well, you know, he, that might be the last time he, he attends a United winning parade. Or any kind of winning parade, because the only way is down, isn't it, Wayne? Remember that. Well, or don't, to be honest. Because, frankly, two transfer requests in three years. Uh, let's, all right, let's... It, it did actually happen uh, chronologically between the Fergie stuff and the parade, so... Ferguson was interviewed after the Pyongyang affair and he he said one incredibly touching thing which uh, I have to say that really was the moment that got to me because he said when he was asked why he was retiring now Kathy's sister had passed away and she was Kathy's best friend and he basically didn't want Kathy to be on her own which is a pretty extraordinary thing I mean I guess you could say it's just it's a decent thing but it's a very it, anyway it felt very decent to me that he would prioritize you know after all these years of giving his professional life at the expense of his personal life to um to put the personal life first when actually professionally i'm sure he would have wanted to do another season and try to have another crack at the champions league and work with this young team and all that stuff so yeah that, that was pretty moving but then he was asked why wayne rooney didn't play and he gave a searingly honest answer to that question didn't he well, he certainly did, yeah. I mean, he, he said the boy had asked for a transfer, and, and Jeff Shreve said, you mean he asked for a transfer request? Uh, he put in a transfer request, and he said, yes, yes, the boy asked for a transfer. There was no ambiguity about it, especially after the, a week of Rooney's PR team denying that he'd asked for a transfer, so... He really threw Rooney under the bus there, didn't he? And, you know, frankly, two tra- as you say, two transfer requests in three years, he can go, I really don't care. He doesn't want to be here. He's after more money or more playing time or a bit of both, whatever. He hasn't got the good sense to calm his PR team down and his agent down. And, you know, he won't have a big choice of clubs, put it that way. But I think uh, he might as well go if United can get a fee for him. Otherwise, it's going going to cause trouble. I think I said this last week. I mean, there may have been some rapprochement between Moyes and Rooney after this court case thing. But I don't think they're going to be best buddies. And I think Rooney has demonstrated that he's not the easiest character to get on with if he's not getting his way. You know, basically, he's he's giving the club an ultimatum. If I'm not in the first team, then I went out. So I'd say off you go, son. Yeah, I mean, the the more cynical uh, amongst us um, might suggest that Sir Alex's very, very public hanging Rooney out to dry was a kind of a grudge held for a few years. Ah, but but Sir Alex on his final press conference said, uh, I I never hold grudges, (laughs) and uh, to which there was much amusement amongst the press corps. Yeah, I have to say, it's very easy to read the pure cynic view, but then it's also quite easy to say, well, actually, it was just the situation as well. It was the situation taken in a vacuum. The fact that he'd handed in a transfer request, clearly didn't want to play for the club, and actually, Sir Alex's, it was um, an act of man management to make him sit there and watch the whole thing and say, are you sure this is you want to be on the outside looking in as opposed to be on the inside of something like this? 
I think that's not to be underestimated because you would imagine that Sir Alex wants Rooney to change his mind and stay at the club because that serves the interest of the playing staff potentially if Rooney's on his game. He, he said Rooney uh, complained about being, didn't like being taken off a couple of times. This was in a, a later interview to MUTV, just a few minutes later. He didn't like being taken off a couple of times, but Rooney in his best form would not have been taken off, he said. So it was clearly a kind of an attempt to get the player to take some personal responsibility for the fact that he did look as you have said many times he's he's been puffing he looked he looked tired a, f- a few times and his form has been pretty woeful this season hasn't it yeah well he's been in and out he's he's still been pretty productive i mean there's a good amount of goals and assists for someone who's played deep most of the season right so uh, I, I think the output has been all right but the form has not been great yeah this is one of his worst seasons for united if not the worst and the fact that he's been taken off regularly or didn't start some games towards the back end of the season wasn't central to Ferguson's plans, even in the biggest of games. And that Ferguson came out and basically said he wasn't playing well says an awful lot. Who knows whether Moyes will want to keep him or not. I, I, can, I can see why continuity would be very important for the new man coming in, because there's a significant amount of change already at the club. I mean... So Ferguson's going, Scholes is going, Rio we think will stay, hopefully, but uh, some of the coaching staff may leave too, Albert the kit man's off, Uh, the CEO is going, you know, there's a significant amount of upheaval, and I think in professional sport, any minor change is, it can be really, you know, really damaging, and this could be really, really damaging. And he's going to want to make sure the train doesn't come off the rails. Now, I think I said last week, I'd set expectations for next season quite low because it takes a certain kind of personality to come in and really make sure things are on target straight away. It really doesn't happen very often. Normally, when you get a new manager, it's, it's fairly difficult for them. So, And I think with the institution that is Ferguson going, it's going to be very difficult for Moyes, no matter how talented he is whether he's the right manager or not. So I think whatever Moyes can do to not rock the boat is a good idea. And if if not rocking the boat means Rooney stays, then he should do that. If if making sure the boat, boat isn't rocking too much means that Rooney goes, then that's a good idea as well. Is Alan Morgan actually retiring? Because I've seen it mentioned, but I've not seen anything official about that. No, actually, and I haven't seen anything official about any of the other coaches either. And, and Moyes said this week that, uh, in fact, I think he used the word continuity. He said he, he's got coaching staff at Everton and at Manchester United that are looking for answers. And it'll be easier after his game against Chelsea at the weekend is concluded. And that's fair enough. So I think in the next week or so, we'll find out an awful lot more about what's happening with some of those coaching positions. And Moyes would be absolutely mad to disrupt the backroom staff because it's a very high quality staff that, Mike Phelan aside at, at <laughs> Manchester United sorry Mike no apparently he's a really good I mean apparently he's an excellent coach so so people say I'm uh, he gets unfair stick I'm sure it's it's the tight shorts he'd he'd have a lot more credibility if he didn't wear them but there are question marks over what happens with Philip Neville is he going to join the coaching staff what happens with Paul Scholes is he going to join the coaching staff has Moyes got Ryan Giggs on side because he's obviously the senior man in the dressing room really important what happens with Rennie Mullenstein he's the kind of tactical genius isn't he you know it was never Ferguson not that there was ever that much tactical genius going on at United and some of the key sort of youth development coaches as well so lots and lots of questions there I don't think Moyes will make many changes basically there was a funny moment in the MUFC Awards when Warren Joyce was asked what he was looking forward to about working under the new manager and he said, I don't know if I've got a job yet. And there was a very relieved laugh from around the room. Lots of people obviously thinking the same thing. And Mullenstein, of course, I think the, the tactical role is secondary, really, isn't it? It's the technical coaching that 
Munenstein mm-hmm. has improved the level of that dramatically. Mm. And uh, and you see in, in players like Danny Welbeck and Tom Cleverley and, and all the others coming through an under-21 level, you know, they're very technical players. Whether they're brilliant or not is a different thing, but there's a philosophy through the youth coaching to produce high-quality technical players, and, and he's been a key part of it. I mean, obviously, he's been around at the club for quite a while now. Yeah, and, and you have to say, you know, he might want a new challenge as well. That's the other thing. Because, you know, you worked under Sir Alex for that many years. He might want to go back to Holland. You don't know. You know, it's, it's that you could, I could, I was, I was watching him being interviewed and he did look quite, I don't know, he looked quite tired. And, and it's obviously, he's been at United for a long time and he's, he's done a lot for United. I think it would definitely be in our interest if he stayed. But I could definitely imagine a scenario where he doesn't want to stay. Well, maybe, I mean, he had that spell at Bronby, didn't he, yeah, six or seven years ago, and uh, for a season it didn't work out for him. Mm. He, he might have worked out that he's a coach and not a manager. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing about Skulls, oh, he's gone again, Ed, and obviously it was the right time, and there's no way he's coming back this time. And he, he said it, the, the best 15 minutes of television ever not set in Baltimore happened over the course of uh, the past week, where Gary Neville and Paul Skulls sit down uh, to be interviewed for the Sky Cameras, the, the, a kind of edited package shown as part of the build-up to uh, the big send-off for Fergie, but the whole thing on Sky's website, and you absolutely have to go and watch that if you get the chance. There's a... The, the, first seconds of it are amazing where they're just sitting down opposite each other and Scott says why am I doing this and you can tell he really he really means it um, and he asked Gary if he's ever done it before Gary said yeah just once with Giggsy and he goes oh this isn't going to be like that yeah right yeah yeah it was very good stuff yeah not not your traditional interview at all Skulls saying that he had come back, his decision to to come back, he'd watched, and this is brilliant because we refer to this game all the time, but he'd watched the game where Park and Raphael played in central midfield against Blackburn. And that was the moment where he started to think, maybe I should come back. And the thing is, he didn't remember who was in central midfield. He said Rafa and I can't remember who it was, I think another defender. Yeah, Paul, it might as well have been another defender in that moment. Yeah, but he's gone. He has definitely gone this time. And, and he may take up a coaching role. I mean, he, he said it might even have been in that interview. I, Ferguson wants me to do it, but I don't know what the new man wants. So I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure they'll be pushing for Skulls to get a position at the club. That kind of continuity is really important. And look at, look at how Bayern have built their sort of empire on, you know, through the coaching staff to the, to the executives, all former Bayerners, if that's a word. It is now. But even if even if Paul Scholes wasn't a Man- Manchester United player, if you had the opportunity to get him teaching your young people how to play football, you'd be completely mental not to do it, wouldn't you? Yeah, it quite. So I hope they keep him on. I think that kind of uh, that succession is is very good. And and there's lots of talented youngsters in the under twenty ones and the reserves and and the youth of the academy side. And and I'm sure they'll all benefit from Scholes being involved. Now Scholes has gone again. Are you glad he came back? Well, for that six-month period between sort of January and May last year, he was excellent, wasn't he? And him and Carrick formed a really good central midfield partnership and and it kind of dragged United towards almost winning the title. This this season has been a waste of time for Skulls. He barely played up to Christmas and then has not played at all since say for that that game against Swansea so I think the comeback was worth it for a while this season hasn't been good for him I, I mean it, it's not going to sour my view of Paul Scott over the year because you know he was basically just a, a part-time player this year still got it when he's got the ball at his feet hasn't he you know shame he couldn't put away that chance against Swansea at the weekend he didn't need to play on this season but but there's no harm done was there 
No, absolutely. And I think I think it's really interesting that coming back, he did, you know, it didn't it didn't tarnish his legacy at all. There were a couple of ropey performances earlier on this season and actually towards the back end of last season, he did tire, didn't he? But when he when he kind of came back and found his touch and fitness again, he was just magnificent last season. You know, basically another six months of watching Paul's goals play is something I'm really glad happened because he's just such a wonderful, wonderful footballer. David Beckham's also announced his retirement at the end of this season and it got me thinking about the Giggs, Skulls, Keane, Beckham midfield and I'm not sure, you know, there's only a handful of midfields in the history of football that could compete with them for the, the number one spot. Well, certainly in, in my personal recollection of football, yeah, there's really none, right? That, that French midfield of the mid-80s was outstanding with Tigana and, and Platini and, and the rest of them. That was great. But very few as good as that quartet of United's in the mid to late 90s, you know, absolutely outstanding. We won't see their like again. We won't see the like of the class of 92 again, that's for sure. And uh, uh, Ryan Giggs, the last man standing for that from, from that team. You know, quite amazing, really. I mean, look down the, the list of players. I mean, of course, he was a first-teamer by then and they brought him back in somewhat controversial circumstances to play in that Youth Cup final. Cheap. Cheating, 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 as people might say. But you know, he still qualified. So yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he played, and and so did the Neville brothers, and and Kevin Pilkington, and David Beckham, and uh, and Nicky Butt, and uh, who else played? Robbie Savage. Uh, yeah, Robbie Savage. So you know, they've all gone basically, except for except for Giggsy, and he's still going on, aged eighty five. He was older than them as well. That's the other thing. He's a year older than the rest of them, um, which is brilliant. It's like, yep, he's going to outlast them all. He's going to keep like Danny Welbeck will be retiring, and Ryan Giggs will still be playing for some somehow. The fact that Skulls has gone, it, it, passage of time is inevitable, and that that is what happens. Footballers go and and play their whole careers, and then they retire and they don't play anymore. And it's it's you just have to be grateful for the the joy that they gave you right i mean he he he's given united fans so much joy and and once again all the quotes are trotted out around the world and basically all the best players in the world rate skulls as one of their peers and we all know that as united fans the idea that somehow it's not absolutely abundantly clear that he's the most gifted midfielder that this country produced in in his generation is is crazy. I mean, Gerard and Lampard both excellent players, but the skulls just something completely different and and United have been absolutely blessed to have him for so long and it's been it's been it was really fun when he came out of retirement I'm really glad he did and I definitely hope he he has a really long happy retirement and and does get to contribute to the the behind the scenes at United as I'm sure he will actually I'm sure he will. And D-Beck's retiring. A lot of fuss in the media this week, of course. I think quite a lot of backlash as well. Chris Waddle saying he wouldn't be in the top 1,000 players who've played in the Premier League. He actually said one top 1,000 players who played since the Premier League began. So I think he meant in the world, it's still completely and totally and utterly nonsense. I mean, look, Beckham, uh, look, fame plays a part, of course, but he was twice in the top three players in the world in the the FIFA voting, right? Yes, uh, his global fame kind of pushed that along, but he was a very fine player, Beckham, you know. Okay, he he wasn't quick, and uh, and he couldn't beat a man, as as Waddle said. I think there are other definitions of what a good player is, but he had phenomenal delivery. Let's remember how good that was. Absolutely outstanding from set pieces, and... And he worked really hard, real player's player, and so he's had a really fine career, and he's walked away with an awful lot of silverware as well, and a bucket load of cash. 
Absolutely. I mean, first of all, he could beat a man, and he did sometimes. But most of the time, the reason he didn't beat a man was because he had absolutely no need to do it because a kicked ball travels faster than a human being. And if you can kick a ball exactly where you want under almost any circumstances, you might as well just ping it onto Andy Cole or Rude Van Nussroy's head and score a goal, mightn't you? The idea that David Beckham somehow isn't in the elite players that Manchester United have produced or that have played in the Premier League or that have been around in the last 20 years is complete nonsense as far as I'm concerned. He's he's an absolutely phenomenal player and he played his little heart out for Man United as well, you know. Uh, he, he was clearly a red all his life and he played like it and whatever happened at the end how much of that you know th- there's this kind of instant slightly misogynistic tendency to blame his wife for everything but whatever happened the fact that he had his head turned by a celebrity lifestyle I don't think that was anyone else that did that to him I think he had that in him and he did become so huge that Ferguson couldn't keep him within the bounds of Manchester United you know and so some think went wrong in that relationship but they genuinely appear to have mended fences they both speak very highly of one another don't they when they whenever they're asked and you know it's not like Ferguson is the arch diplomat when he except when there's something in it for him so I think it's born of genuine respect well quite in the years afterwards I think Beckham clearly always spoke of regret about leaving United and, and for him it was never quite the same again after that he, he got one La Liga title didn't he in Spain and, and one of the soccer ball things in the in the US and, and not much else you know he, the, the height of his power was when he was at Old Trafford but look, let's let's not forget some of the fantastic stuff he did. Yeah, you know, th- there will hardly ever be a goal scored like that one he scored against Wimbledon from the halfway line. Talk about announcing yourself on the world stage. Quite remarkable for a young player to try something like that and pull it off. Absolutely. So if you will indulge me, Ed, what, what are some of your favourite D-Beck memories other than that one? So aside from the goal against Wimbledon, the goal he scored in the final game of the 1999 season where he did the keeper on the wrong side and lashed it into Walker's top right-hand corner, which is an absolutely fantastic moment for him and a brilliant goal as well. Uh, for me, it's it's like a sort of a haze of just red energy down the right-hand side and, and the, the that body shape, that's such an unusual body shape when he delivered the ball. Uh, nobody's really tried to copy that except David Bentley, unsuccessfully. He just, he didn't look like other footballers when, when he when he struck the ball. He had a, he had a very odd posture. Um, and apparently later in life that did cause him some problems with injuries and stuff. Um, but he, he had a pretty long career nonetheless, hasn't he? Well, he has, yeah, and, and uh, he's always been able to strike the ball so sweetly, and that's one of the things that's never left him, even though he got older and slower and, and all of that. But the fact that he could he could ping a pass to anyone from anywhere and deliver a set piece was never never affected, never left his game. No, absolutely, and you know, United have, have missed that so much. I mean, Ronaldo's set pieces were obviously excellent, but they were nowhere near as consistent as Beckham's. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I've never, ever watched a player regularly with better set-piece delivery. Not even close, really. I think he's in a he's in a class of one when it comes to set-piece delivery because the range and the just, as I said, the, the consistency. You know, Roberto Carlos scored that wonder goal in that tournament and then took three kicks for 30 years after that and only scored about three. Mm, right. Beckham, at one point, you just put the ball down at the edge of the box. David Beckham's got free. Oh, brilliant. There's another goal for United, you know. And and the number of assists, the number, it's mental. His assist statistics, his assist statistics are absolutely insane. 
I guess the one disappointment for Bex in his career, the 1999 final, I mean, United won, obviously, so it wasn't a disappointment, but his performance wasn't great, and that was his one sort of opportunity to really showcase himself in the centre of the pitch where he always wanted to play, but never really got the chance. I think the fact that he then Beckham to Sheringham and Solskjaer has won it, I think he, he made his contribution, no no, no moment of luck that United scored goals from set pieces you know his his set piece delivery in instrumental in you know what Sir Alex calls the greatest moment of his United career so yeah it was it was not a good performance overall but he had a pretty good last three minutes of that game didn't he well he certainly did last three minutes Uh, still brings a tear to the eye that one it really does of course, uh, also retiring this week, uh, Jamie Carragher, uh, off to uh, Sky Sports to sit on the bench with Gary Neville. That, that could bring some fireworks next year. Uh, apart from that challenge on Nanny, it was pretty un, pretty nasty, wasn't it, from old Jamie Carragher. You, you're supposed to respect your rival club's long stalwarts of a bygone era, aren't you? I, I don't watch enough Liverpool to know how good he was, but I think he's pretty highly regarded, wasn't he, as a, as a centre-half? He's an old clogger, isn't he? And barely understandable. I, I really will be turning on the subtitles to understand him when he's on Sky, but, you know, we can just blank that out and wait till Gary talks again. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, that'd be a good combination because actually he's quite... He's got... Makes some fairly interesting analytical points. Pretty bright lad, Jamie, isn't he? He's not... He's not... He is. He's... I, mean, look, I, I do jest, but he's actually pretty good when you can actually understand what he's talking about. It's not that hard. Scouse accents are not that hard to understand. It's just racism, Ed. <laughs> By definition, it's not. It's cityism or something. Scousism. Scousism. Bex, it seems, may be trying to buy his way into an MLS franchise. Right. He, he could create a new one for a fee around $25 million. Depends where it is. Of course, the, the high-profile ones are going for more than that. It looks like City are going to buy their way in, or Abu Dhabi Royal Family, I should say, are going to buy their way into the second New York franchise. Bex might get one in some backwater for around $25 million. Be interesting, wouldn't it? David Beckham owning a football club. Yeah, absolutely. One of, one of the things I, I, I thought was interesting about what you said is he's always regretted leaving United and it's kind of all downhill from there and like you know he played with Ronaldo and Figo and he, you know he was in the most sort of storied extraordinarily assembled football team that ever existed um, and yet yeah, still wasn't as good as Man United well quite and then and then he had to play with Robbie Keane so that's that's where it all went wrong and, and half a season with Ibra yeah absolutely a kind of catwalk career as well Madrid LA Milan Paris Definitely makes sense that uh, Beckham travelled that particular route, doesn't it? It, it certainly does. He, he was a very good underwear model. I'm not sure if it's been mentioned, but David Beckham is a handsome gentleman. Yes, so people say he is. Oh yeah, so people say. <laughs> Mikel Forsell tweeted, brilliant tweet from Mikel Forsell, who uh, you put a picture of him and, and Beckham up and said, I think I can safely say he's better looking than I am. <laughs> yeah. So back to Manchester United, current Manchester United, the awards for Player of the Year were announced and no surprises really, a a sort of perfect split as Michael Carrick, I I thought last year that Michael Carrick would win Player's Player and someone else would win Fan's Player but but this year it did actually happen, Carrick at 
Carras16 uh, officially on Twitter. It's come out of his shell a bit this week. Glorious moment at the end of the trophy parade when it ended in Albert Square and they were there on the the bus that Ferguson had thrown Rooney in front of, arrived at Albert Square, there's a stage set up, the Courtenayers blasting out, not 19 forever, while the whole team's bouncing up and down on the bus. And then Michael Carrick's interviewed, and he just screamed. He said, oh, and another thing, we got our trophy back! And if you were expecting that, you're a better person than I, because uh, that, was, that was out of the blue and apparently out of character from old Carrick's 16. Well, and he admitted afterwards that he'd, uh, he was well below par because he'd been partying for most of the week. So, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was it was lovely to see. Uh, Rio Ferdinand disturbingly doesn't appear to know that Shinji Kagawa's song is not Oh Shinji Kagawa. Rio, you should know better than that, lad. All we need is Rio to learn our songs. But he sort of picked up the mic at one point. Rio did and started singing. Yeah, he, he went. I think this is almost literally word for word. Yeah, yeah, look at this. Oh, Shinji Kagawa. Shinji starts going absolutely nuts in the middle of the stage, waving a scarf around his head, coming out, doing a little dance. He goes, and Rio just goes, ha ha, he's a lunatic, he is. He loves it. Brilliant. Quite the team spirit. It appears that Rio Ferdinand considers Shinji Kagawa to be a sort of dance on demand sort of guy. And he appears to be a dance on demand sort of guy. Yeah, yeah. Be be interesting to see how Moyes uses him. I'm uh, I'm fascinated about that one because it is really not the Moyes way. How do you think United play next season under Moyes, Paul? Because whenever I've seen Everton, they're quite direct. Uh, I haven't got a Scooby Doo. Apparently, uh, Everton play better against smaller sides. Like they play better football, more tippy tappy. And Baines and Pino certainly did a lot of nice stuff down the left hand side in the first half of last season. The the one thing that genuinely worries me about Moyes, it's not the sort of lack of experience at the top level. It's not any of that. Not the not winning a trophies thing. It's that his relationship with creative players over the years has been mixed. He doesn't tend to get the best out of his creative players all the time. I mean, Pinar is definitely the exception to that. But Pinar's kind of a, a cut inside winger, isn't he? So maybe you'll get best out of Nani um, uh, if he's still at the club. But Shinji, I, I mean, you've got that horrible feeling that he's going to use him on the left. Well, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Moyes has rarely ever played as a, a playmaker. He's set up his team in a very functional fashion and they've played pretty functional football for the most time. I, I think where people say that they've played good football at times, it's, it's, it's really not. It's percentages and then... And it's it's not a build up from the back and play short stuff and and impose your style on someone else. So that's the thing that worries me too. You know, maybe Moyes will will find a new opening for him. His flower will open. The thing about Moyes that's really untested is he's never had players of the calibre that are at Manchester United to work with. I mean, Everton have had some good players in his tenure, but I don't think anyone of the natural gifts of Shinji Kagawa has been at Everton. So hopefully he will unlock the key to mystical Shinji's joy but we'll see won't we and and as for the rest of the setup you would imagine he's gonna play some version of a 4-2-3-1 wouldn't you for most of the time because that seems to be what well i was just about to say that seems to be what our personnel set up to do but we haven't really got two to sit in the two unless he unless he keeps anderson for another season or t somehow finds his form again 
All questions to be answered. I, I think we'll find out some more over the next couple of weeks, really, and Moyes will be free to talk about his plans. He officially doesn't take over till J- July the 1st and the team comes back for training and head off around the world for uh, another summer tour. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if Ferguson's involved with that one because I think the sponsors will probably want him there. So we'll, we'll see. I know Ferguson's having a, a hip out, isn't he? Uh, so, yeah, lots of questions about Moyes and potential style of football. We'll see. And talking of football, we didn't actually review the Swansea game, did we? A very jumbled up show this week because there's been so much going on. But um, somewhat of a mixed performance from United. Last performance of the season at Old Trafford at least. And uh, okay for a few minutes. Then Swansea really came back into the game. They'd have deserved a draw before that sort of dramatic finish, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was all prearranged, right? That, that's the only explanation for a last minute goal being the winner in Sir Alex's last home game. I mean, couldn't couldn't be better, could it? Strictly not in Fergie time, no, of course, that's because, true. because we, as we all know, Fergie time only starts in the ninety first yeah. minute. Um, the actually Fergie time is is the time after. So, like, if the, if the the official holds up three minutes on his board, then Fergie time starts at ninety three minutes. It's not just the regulation amount of added time. Uh, people often mistake that for Fergie time, but but Fergie time is when Steve Bruce scored that goal. You know, Fergie time is the seventh minute of injury time, isn't it? Um, well, yeah, fair enough. You know, because we all know that the FA have this sort of wide-ranging conspiracy to cheat Liverpool out of winning any trophies by giving United as many minutes as possible. Yeah, Moyes minutes, Fergie time will be replaced by um, the uh, the game. United played brilliantly for about fifteen minutes, and they looked really great. And I was thinking, oh, this 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 could be our first team next season. And then I got a bit sad because I realised Paul Scholes wasn't going to be around. Uh, Scholes, he played pretty well for the first half, he, uh, understandably tired in the second and got his big applause, which he bolted off uh, as quickly as he's run uh, for quite some time. Uh, yeah, he... <laughs> yeah, he had one chance as well, didn't he? He kind of scuffed his shot, didn't, didn't quite manage to to score on his final final game. At, well, at least at Old Trafford. He might get a game against West Brom. I have to say, that's. I think that's one of the reasons why United didn't make it two when they were on top is because everyone kept trying to pass it to Skulls instead of score themselves. Uh, Hernandez in particular, I was going to say guilty of that, but it's not really guilty. It's uh, it, to be commended for making this into the testimonial. It certainly appeared to be. Um, that, talking of testimonial, about three seconds into the game, Skulls, he put a massive reducer in on someone. Referee didn't even give a foul because it wouldn't have been fitting for the occasion no it had been wrong yeah yeah two-footed reducer as well it <laughs> wasn't pleasant but hey um, we, there's a lot of criticism of Arsene Wenger a few years ago when he said that Skulls had a bit of a dark side uh, including us I think we may have laid into Mr Wenger really given that his sides were dirty for years oh, yeah uh, he, he's certainly two-faced about that kind of thing but but there was yeah, there is just that little touch of darkness about Skulls he didn't need to make that tackle it was about 75 yards away from his own goal yeah, got the ball though, obviously, as yeah. if that's even a thing. As well as cleaning out the guy's ankles, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the performance really dipped and Swansea really got back into it and Michu is a very, very fine player, isn't he? He is, yes. It looks like Laudrup is staying at Swansea as well, which is a sensible choice from him because he's hopped from club to club to club and I'm sure he'd be in demand if any other club wanted him, especially those that will be without a manager next season. I mean, Everton would do very well to get Laudrup, I think, but it looks like he's going to stay and that's important for Swansea. Yeah, and I think, to me, I think I'd stay at Swansea rather than go to Everton because it 
seems like it would be more fun. Slightly lower expectations and this beautiful methodology behind the football and the fact that the, the club seems to be extremely sensibly run and all that sort of thing. I think it'd be, be a fun place to be the manager, really. It would indeed. It would indeed. I, I think they'll be all right next season. I mean, we've we've seen from some of the teams this season that have gone down that it can be really hard to consolidate in this division. They've done it well and they should they should be staying around. Be interesting Premier League next season, won't it, with Cardiff and Swansea in there and uh, one of Watford and Crystal Palace coming up and Steve Bruce and Hull. Looking forward to that one. Brilliant stat that was on Football Weekly. Amy Lawrence came out with this stat that since Arsene Wenger last won a trophy, all 91 other Football League clubs have changed their managers. Which is like pretty, pretty incredible. Also, I mean, he's going to be the only one left, isn't he, out of, out of managers of the big clubs? Because obviously Rafa's going to be off. We've got Moisey in. Everton will have a new manager. City have sacked Mancini. Presumably Pellegrini will come in and we'll find out whether he's an upgrade on Mancini. I suspect he will be myself. Uh, you wanted to talk about the actual Swansea game I don't know what we can really learn about that Phil Jones is good isn't he I like Phil Jones I like it when he's a defender yes another good performance from Jonesy I'm looking forward to him playing regularly in the back four apparently he will be playing in central defence alongside Johnny Evans at the weekend against West Brom yeah, Ferguson saying in his press conference on Friday that they could be the future in that position and Rio and Nemanja will have to be happy on the bench. That's what he said. A bit of a shame for Chris Morning, but I think it's just because Chris Morning's injured that he didn't get a mensch in that little little moment because I don't think Ferguson's going to underrate Chris Morning's ability. But I do think Johnny Evans and, and Phil Jones... I mean, Johnny Evans isn't really a young player anymore, is he? He's a, a player approaching the prime of his career. And certainly the performances have matched that. It's been he had a really good season until till he got a couple of injuries, didn't he? We'll do season review stuff next week. Skulls Skulls and Carrick did pretty well from the start, and then Skulls ran out of legs, and Anderson came on basically because what Anderson is incredibly good at, and he's got a lot of criticism from United fans and fans of other teams, and you know, generally speaking, not particularly highly regarded by the majority of United fans for his footballing ability. But not a single one of us would question his ability to celebrate a league title win. That is what he's there for. Well, the lad knows how to party. And he's going to, if he goes this summer or another time, he's going to walk away from Old Trafford with a hell of a lot of silverware for really not achieving very much. Yeah, except, you know, it's all that silverware has been more fun because he's around. And, you know, fun is an underrated quality in football. So it very it became abundantly clear to me over the course of this week why Anderson's been given so many chances at Manchester United. And you could argue that it's his sort of innate natural talent that's been frustrated through injury and never been able to properly express itself because of that. Or you could just argue that it's clearly because Alex Ferguson absolutely loves having him around. You can tell a lot about people's relationships by their body language with each other and Ferguson's face just lights up when he sees Anderson and it's really it's really quite sweet albeit it's been slightly bad for our midfield so United do have one final game of the season to go away at West Brom can United defend their 13 point lead in the Premier League or however many points it is now I'm sure it'll have a sort of testimonial atmosphere Of course, absolutely nothing to play for in the Premier League this season, except for, I suppose, the question over who's third and fourth with Chelsea and Arsenal and Tottenham all fighting it out. Chelsea favourites to uh, take third and Arsenal fourth and Spurs behind, I suppose. None of the relegation places to fight for anymore. All done. Wigan down and out after eight seasons in the Premier League. Although it's a really tight battle for 11th to 13th. That's where the action's going to be at this weekend. 
the possibility exists, I'm sure everyone knows by the time they've heard this, of a playoff. If the Chelsea game finishes 0-0 and Arsenal beat Newcastle 2-1, they will have the exact same number of points, the same goal difference, the same goals scored, and will be forced to play off to see who gets the automatic entry into the group stages of the Champions League, which is actually quite a big deal since that became unseeded. You'd easily get yourself knocked out before the Champions League group stages start and get a really big team in that. Well, right, you could get Valencia or Atletico Madrid or something, you know. And uh, absolutely, definitely could be a real tough one. That's that's worth millions and millions of pounds potentially. Yeah, I really hope it happens. Yeah, me too. The other thing I hope that happens is somehow Arsenal lose and Spurs win because I think I just think that'd be weirdly quite comical. But it's not going to happen because Spurs are clearly doomed to be just there or thereabouts. People giving uh, Andre Villas-Boas a stick saying, oh, Spurs finished fourth last season, they're not going to do it this season. Likely to get more points this season than they did last season, although, of course, that's not necessarily the final definitive argument. But I think you can't really argue against Villas-Boas having moved Spurs on since the Red Map era, can you? No, I, I don't think you can. And Spurs would be wary to keep changing managers. I mean, they, they sacked Martin Yole, didn't they, for getting them fifth twice? Yeah. And look, so look at the budget. They turn over a hundred million pounds a season less than Arsenal. Yeah. Now, clearly, that would close somewhat if Spurs were in the Champions League and Arsenal weren't. But but they're a long way behind financially. That's why they keep finishing behind Arsenal. Yeah, and I think also the VS Spurs had a really difficult start to the season because he was coming in, and it's not easy to start turning things around. And I'm think that there was a period where Spurs were playing some of the best football in the country weren't they uh, at one point this season so I think he's done pretty well but anyway anyway before we go on to the mechanics of the Swansea game a couple of Twitter questions and uh, I'd like to announce the winner of the competition to win a rather brilliant t-shirt by Anton Alfie uh, do follow him on Twitter and pick yourself up one if you weren't the person lucky enough to win or really gifted enough to win at No Heroes here one of the the true greats of Manchester United Twitterverse says that the, uh, the, the question of course poised was why would you be a better choice than David Moyes to replace Sir Alex and he he says, I have a beard. Eric Cantona has a beard. You do the math. Very good. Basically, impenet- impenetrable logic from Serge. And uh, yeah, if if you uh, would drop me a DM on Twitter with your details, then we'll get Anton to send you out a lovely T-shirt. So thank you for that. And yeah, follow out on at Anton Alfie and buy some of his T-shirts because they're ace. And he makes really, really great videos about Manchester United as well. A beautiful, beautiful series of videos have come out this week. And I would be remiss not to mention at Jack K. Holtz tribute to Sir Alex, uh, which was which was beautifully put together and really really exciting and dynamic and quite different. And friend of the rank cast at bifurcated underscore mufc uh, made a piece of really quite stunning lo-fi art with a sort of timeline thing and just brilliant. Anyway, so so follow him too and check out his stuff. Loads of great content coming out of the United fan community. Some brilliant writing as well. In, interestingly, I think most of the best writing about Manchester United has has come out of uh, from fan rather than professionals hasn't it there's been some very good stuff yeah and great range of tribute videos to various united people skulls and ferguson in particular so yeah west brom at the weekend city have got norwich managerless city one of my favorite bits of the week of course was that cracking photograph of brian kidd sitting down on the manchester city bench looking longingly at the empty chair that roberto was no longer sitting in oh do you think it's going to be a harder for Manchester United with Pellegrini running City or do you think City have been too quick to fire Mancini? 
Look how many trophies Mancini has secured over the years, yeah? He got, what, seven or eight in four years at Inter. He's got three or something, however many it is. Two. Two and one that doesn't count. And two and one that doesn't count at City. So, you know, the guy picks up trophies. Sure, he's had the budget to do it, and he's particularly annoying, and he has this failing where he's not able to retain relationships with players without making it all public. And that's one of the reasons he's got the sack, isn't it so look City are not necessarily going to go forward because of him but they probably won't go backwards Pellegrini has an excellent track record of producing very good sides you know he failed at Real Madrid but he didn't really get the, much of a chance and that's a particularly difficult place to go in isn't it and they do tend to change their coach every season so there's no reason why he won't do well with City but there's going to be a bedding in period for him I think the guy who's laughing most at all of this is, is Jose Mourinho who's going to walk back into Chelsea and probably win Chelsea the title I think that you can't really take Mancini's trophy haul at quite face value because so many of them were won with Italy in absolute chaos and Inter sort of managing to bob and weave the flying missiles. If Juventus hadn't been relegated deservedly, obviously, if if it's all true, then you wonder how many Scudetti would have. And, you know, last season, Mancini absolutely shouldn't have won the league last season. He basically should have cost Man City the league last season, but we managed to conspire events so that we didn't. And I think, you know, a lot of people made fun of the word holistic this week, but actually I think it's the re- it's a really appropriate word to use. I think you can say that he has done a decent job on the pitch and won a lot of trophies, but I think if you look at his impact on the club as taken as a whole, because that's all holistic means, it means considering the whole rather than just the parts, he, he hasn't been positive. I mean, there's all sorts of rumour who knows whether it's true or not that he doesn't have anything to do with the academy and City are obviously very keen to develop that side of of their club and his relationship with the players appears to be a complete shambles he's yeah so anyway and I I think he I don't think he's been brilliant tactically I I think we're going to be I think Pellegrini is a tougher opponent for David Moyes than Mancini would have been that's my opinion but I could be wrong well, we'll see, won't we? We'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to take him a little while to, to get going, I'm sure, Pellegrini. And, and I presume he's going to be head coach and, and it's Bigiristan uh, and the rest of the uh, the management crew that will be doing City's recruitment, player recruitment this summer. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've got a very European setup, and that, that's why Pellegrini will probably work for them. And that's key, isn't it? Their, their recruitment will be absolutely key. And the one thing we all worry about, I think, is that, that he'll bring Isco with him from Malaga because we don't want to see Isco at City, but I think it's probably quite likely to happen now. Well, he's a very good young player, yeah. Uh, I mean, quite how he'll take it away from Malaga and develop, who knows, but yeah, a very talented player. Who knows? I mean, there's going to be lots of players going around in circles this summer, as well as managers, I think. Really sad news that it looks like Falcao's going to Monaco, which is a real indictment of the concept of third-party ownership. Basically, the only way the investors in Falcao can make any money is if he goes for an absolutely insane transfer fee, and the only people that can afford to pay that are Monaco. Um, And Falcao is way, way, way too good to be playing at Monaco, but, you know... Well, I've just gone up from League 2 in France, so they'll be back in the, the top division and obviously overseas owned now in Monaco. As are PSG, they could, they could afford Falcao. I'm sure Chelsea and City could too, but perhaps not quite as keen to pay the £56 million transfer fee that it looks like it, it might be. 
Uh, okay, a couple of Twitter things. At the Dark Con Rises says, I'd sign Rio on a new contract straight away with a clause that upon his retirement, he becomes the new Old Trafford announcer. Comrade, I am with you 100% on that. I think that's a, a really, really good point well made. At we some underscore asked us the question that we asked about formations and David Moyes. And uh, at No Heroes Here, the winner of the T-shirt says, if I buy a Ronaldo shirt, will he come to United? And at J Denton underscore says, what do you make of this Bring Ronaldo Home website? So, first of all, I have no actual knowledge uh, about the legitimacy or otherwise of the Bring Ronaldo Home campaign. For those of you not aware of it, count yourself fairly fortunate, I would suggest. It's an organisation that sprung up a chap from Manchester, a chap from Australia, and two chaps from Australia have got together to attempt to crowdfund the purchase of Ronaldo back from Madrid to Manchester United. And the best case scenario, I think it's it's fair to suggest, is that they're slightly misinformed about the way that football finance works. There are things that have personally concerned me. They Apparently, uh, there's a suggestion that they've used the, the World Wildlife Fund and Save the Children logos without permission. So that's that's kind of a bit of a, a, a red flag for me. But then they... But I don't know that to be true. It's just, just apparently the case. But basically, they're saying if you pledge £10, then to, to basically effectively pre-order a Manchester United Ronaldo shirt. So you pledge £10, and if the deal goes through, then everyone involved will be contacted to pay another £45 and buy a Ronaldo shirt. If that doesn't sound like a slightly ill-thought-through idea to you, I, I don't know why. Man United do not get very much money from each individual shirt sale, so you're really not crowdfunding a transfer. That's that's really not what's happening. It's not like they're collecting a bunch of pledges which they'll just give the cash to United back if they if they buy Ronaldo. This is not how transfers work. If you, I mean, I can't believe I'm even saying this. That's not the most obvious thing in the world. The thing that's really upset me about this campaign is that there has been some mainstream media coverage uh, which appears to be completely uncritical of the idea. The Daily Mail ran a piece which was basically just a regurgitation of a press release that, hey, these lads are trying to crowdfund a transfer. They're not. They're taking pre-orders for shirts that don't exist yet. Mm, yeah well that's a long monologue so yeah don't put your money into it you're not going to get anything out of it all right just like to say ed said that any lawyers that was ed please sue him not me but to answer at e khan's question no we we haven't paid money to bring uh, ronaldo back so the West Brom game will have a testimonial atmosphere and there's nothing in it, but Fergie won't want to lose his last game. He said he's going to play Anders Lindegaard. Uh, he said that after the Villa game, he, he told Lindegaard that he'd play him in every game to get him a winner's medal. And even though the Premier League changed their rules and he didn't have to do that, he wanted to honour what he'd said to Lindegaard, which I think is quite quite decent of him, very little Fergie-esque thing to do. Yeah, slightly odd, but it really doesn't matter, does it? You know, you nice to have a 10-point Premier League lead to defend. It'd be quite nice to keep it at 10 points. I mean, I suppose it doesn't really make any difference, but get down to seven, it looks like the Premier League was rather close this year. <laughs> uh, of course, United haven't played well at all in any sense uh, since the defeat to Real Madrid, so it'd be nice to get out with an actual bang. Put Play well, smash five past West Brom, we can all go home happy for the summer and because it'll, uh, it'll round off the season very nicely. 
Yeah, I think we probably played quite well when we took Aston Villa apart. Uh, that was all right, wasn't it? That was all right. That was all right. Yeah. So it'll be a it'll be a mixed side and a bit of a party party atmosphere for those people who've managed to get a ticket or been fool enough to pay the two thousand pounds they seem to be going for at the moment for Fergie's fifteen hundredth and final game. Does, does that fifteen hundred count the two that he was away at funerals or or off watching Valencia when Mike Phelan took charge? That's a really, really good question. I don't know, but I don't care because it's like Pele's goal scoring. You want it on a round number, don't you? Well, you do, but I might start a campaign. Fergie's 1498th game only. It's a conspiracy. If you want to join in that campaign, just pledge £10 that you're going to buy a £50 uh, T-shirt and it'll all be fine. Exactly, and you can do that at donate at frankcast.com. No, I am kidding. All right, so we'll be back to do season roundup, say our final goodbyes to Sir Alex and Paul Scholes, and just generally do kind of end of season stuff. So if between now and then, if you can think of a good category for the Rantcast end of season awards, please use the hashtag Rantcast, and uh, we'll, we'll try and pick an answer. So your best X of the season. I don't mean best ex-partner of the season. I think we all know that Ryan Giggs wins that, doesn't he? Yeah, so if you want to get hold of us for any reason between now and next week, you can get me at UTD Rantcast. You can get Ed at United Rant. Find us both on facebook.com slash United Rant, or more accurately, find neither of us there. You can go to unitedrant.co.uk to read all the good stuff that United Rant put out. And if you would be so kind as to review us on iTunes, that would be ace. Bye! See you next week.